0: Welcome to The Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul.
1: Hello there. My name is Paul Samico. I am an attorney and the very proud host of my podcast, The Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I want you always to remember the most important thing about going through day-to-day, avoid the downs and savor the ups. That is the motto of my podcast, and of course, it applies to the legal things, but it also applies to you in everything you do. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if you could always avoid the down things and enjoy the up things? So today, as you know, is Wednesday, and that means it is my Wrongdoer Wednesday show where I'm talking about some criminal things. And before I get started, I am absolutely thrilled, beyond thrilled, to announce that I now have a sponsor for my podcast a very, very wonderful and intelligent woman, Bev Myers, who is a law professor in California, and she teaches a legal writing class. So I want you to write this down, no matter who you are, you're going to get a hold of Bev at her email, bev at legalwritinglaunch.com. Now, why do you want to get a hold of her? Because she has three different classes where she can help you learn skills necessary to transform legal writing to be better. And you say, Well, I'm not a lawyer or a law student. And that may be the case. But you also want clarity and precision in your writing, no matter who you are and what you do. Contact Bev, and she's going to explain to you, or you can go onto her website and look for yourself, Legal Writing Launch. Dot com, the three different courses that she has, all very inexpensive and amazingly worth it, to help you with your legal writing skills. Now, because of you hearing this here, when you reach out to her, you automatically get a 10% discount on any class you take. Please get a hold of Bev Myers at Bev at LegalWritingLaunch.com. She is my first sponsor here at the Legal Merry Go Round. I am absolutely thrilled to have her. Okay, well, today I want to get into the subject matter of the show, which is going to be an explanation uh, of two different types of things: expungement of a criminal criminal record and pardon, pardoning of a criminal conviction. So. I'm going to talk about expungement in the first half of the show. And then in the second half, I'm going to come back and talk about pardons. So, expungement, it's also called expunction, but very rarely. It's a court ordered process in which the legal record of an arrest or a criminal conviction is sealed or erased in the eyes of the law. When a conviction is expunged, The process may also be referred to as setting aside a criminal conviction. Now, you may want to know that if you are listening and you have a criminal record or an arrest that you want to get expunged, well, my friend, you're out of luck if you're in one of eight states. All the others allow for this process, but Alaska, Alabama, Florida, Hawaii, Idaho, Massachusetts, Virginia, and Texas— have no provisions in their laws for expungement." Ugh, tough world, okay. So the availability of expungement and the procedure uh, for getting an arrest or conviction expunged varies according to several factors, including the state or the county in which the arrest or conviction occurred. I mentioned there are eight states that don't allow it at all. If this is something you're interested in doing, I highly recommend that you retain an attorney to help you through the process, because this isn't a guarantee, and an attorney will be able to help you. An expungement ordinarily means that an arrest or conviction is sealed, uh, erased from a person's criminal record for most purposes. Now, when the process is complete, an arrest or a criminal conviction does not need to be disclosed by the person who was arrested or convicted. Very, very interesting, right? That's why you may want to do this. For example, when filling out an application for a job or an apartment, an application uh, will ask you if you've ever been arrested or convicted. Uh, you can honestly answer no if your arrest or conviction has been expunged, and you do not need to disclose that arrest or conviction. In most cases, no record of an expunged arrest or conviction will appear. If a potential employer, educational institution, or other company conducts a public records inspection or background search of an individual's criminal record. Okay, so I want to delve into this a little bit deeper. I'm going to ask and then answer. Are expunged records completely gone? The answer is not necessarily. Um, it's not necessarily completely erased in the literal sense of the word. An expungement would ordinarily be an accessible part of a person's criminal record, viewable, uh, viewable, I should say, by certain government agencies, including law enforcement and the criminal courts. Thus, uh, limited accessibility is sometimes referred to as a criminal record being under seal. Now, in some legal proceedings, such as during sentencing for any crimes committed after an expungement, or in immigration and deportation proceedings, an expunged conviction that is under seal may still be considered as proof of a prior conviction. So what are the factors determining eligibility? Um, What what things have to line up in order for someone to get an expungement? Whether you uh, can get... A criminal record expunged depends on a number of factors, as you might have imagined, including, again, where you are, the nature of the crime or the charge, the amount of time that's passed since the arrest or the conviction, and your criminal history. Um, Expungement versus having a record sealed is a distinction I have to explain because I've already used that term being sealed. Having your criminal records sealed is similar to having them expunged, but Much less hidden. Okay, so if your records are sealed, then it means they're not available to the public. This would include private investigators, credits, and employers. However, these records still exist in the context of the criminal justice system. As an example, the sealed convictions will still be considered prior offenses if you're arrested in the future. You might be wondering then if expungement is worth it. What does it really do for you if, if this is something you're considering? Well, in today's what I'm going to call very hard economic times, um, you know, it, it might really be helpful. The concern is that it's always uh, that a prospective employer may reject you uh, if you have a criminal record or pass over an existing employee for a promotion or a pay raise on the same basis. So in a nutshell, expungement has the legitimate value, for employment purposes, and recently, doing due to some laws that have passed around the country in professional licensing. However, uh, getting a record expunged does not erase, delete, remove it, or uh, kind of like a sponge. I love that word. Cleaning up a spilled drink, restoring one's record to appear like nothing happened. Expungement will change the plea back to not guilty and show the case was ultimately ultimately dismissed. Now, easily 10 years ago, maybe even more, very few employers did background checks on prospective employees unless they were in certain types of industries. Nowadays, uh, it's relatively inexpensive and quick and may be required for the employer's commercial and reliability insurance. So professional organizations... um, lots of them, and even normal type of employment situations do background checks. Expungement does have its limits, and it's not an answer for everyone. So expungement is not available until you complete probation, uh, although you could still be on probation and ask a judge to modify probation to end it and then seek expungement. It's also not available for all convictions. If someone was convicted, sentenced to, and served any part of a prison sentence, uh, or was convicted of certain sex offenses, expungement would not be available. But there is hope a certificate of rehabilitation may be an alternative. You can get that by the assistance of an attorney. One also may not be currently charged with an offense or serving a sentence for any other criminal offense. If that's the case, no expungement. Second, if one is applying for a government job, expungement will not erase a conviction from view. The government database will still show how the case progressed and that the expungement of the record occurred only at the end. Many government subcontractors figure this out, have access to the same database. Third, an expungement does not have collateral benefits of renewing one's rights to use or own a firearm if the original plea conditions prohibited this. Expungement also does not relieve one of the requirement to register as a sex offender. Likewise, expungement does not eliminate immigration consequences Of a conviction, except in very limited circumstances, such as a first time, uh, maybe drug possession conviction. Expungement has further limits. If someone is applying for a state license, like real estate, law, medical, or contractor, running for political office, or applying to work for the state lottery, uh, one must disclose the conviction if asked. Expungement also will not prevent the conviction from being used to enhance a sentence in a later conviction. This is particularly true with cases of drunk driving, DUI, DWI, where a prior drunk driving conviction from within 10 years, even if expunged, can count as a prior DUI to make a subsequent DUI uh, even more punishable. Now, there are four key common elements of expungement among the different states that allow for it. Number one is the extent to which an individual can deny an expunged record. Expungements are based on the premise that those with criminal records will have trouble, you know, if you will, reintegrating into society and might face barriers from participating in public life unless they have a legitimate means of being able to honestly deny. That they've ever been charged with a crime or possessed a criminal record. So as a result, most states permit individuals who have had their records expunged to answer in the negative if asked whether they've been arrested or charged with a crime. So on a job or school application, as an example, an applicant with an expunged record can honestly answer no to having been charged with a crime. Additionally, for those states that permit expungements even after convictions, some permit the same negative answer to be given for questions concerning convictions. The type of crime which has been allegedly committed will invariably determine the availability of expungement. For example, some states allow expungement for many types of crimes. Others prohibit expungement. Of any criminal record, and I read those. And some states only allow expungement for arrest records. In states where expungement is granted after a conviction, the severity of the crime is going to play a very important role in whether or not expungement is possible. The other side of the coin, conversely, states that prohibit the expungement of convictions uh, will often contain restrictions depending upon the process taken. To complete the case without a conviction. All right, the third concept, rehabilitation, rehab, worthiness of having the records expunged. Typically, the waiting period before an application can be made is used as an indication of rehabilitation. In addition, a waiting period free of arrests or any trouble at all with the law is further used to affirm rehabilitation differences in length of waiting period times depend on a multitude of factors which can include the severity of the crime of the crime not the crime <laughs> the severity of the crime the age of the offender and whether or not the offender is alive so expungement of records uh, after someone passes by their family members is a possibility in many places State codes often contain provisions on the number of times expungements may be granted. Typically, it's one. Now, last, the fourth idea, expunged records and access to criminal records. The practical effects—I think I've mentioned this, but I just want to go over it again because it's important. The practical effects of expungement remain questionable when considering the number of people who can still access criminal records— even after they've been expunged. It has even been advocated that licensing bodies of professions charged with upholding the public trust, like healthcare, nursing, pharmacology, investment advising, accounting, banking, anything having to do with children and child care, engineering, law, and architecture, should have access to the expunged records of their members. So I want to just share the last part. Once you've had your criminal records sealed or expunged, you should go to your local clerk of the court where your case was originally filed and request a criminal records check. The term may be uh, used in different uh, uh, words, uh, can vary from place to place, from clerk's office to clerk's office, but basically it's a criminal history check or a records check uh, to make sure uh, to... Uh, make sure that your record has been expunged. The expunged records shouldn't show up on a background check again because they legally now don't exist. Woo, all right, you got all of that? Uh, if you don't, you can download this and play it again. So expungement. I'm going to come back after the break and talk about the other uh, the other thing, if you will, the other legal process to, if you will, Uh, puts you in a better place after you've been convicted of a crime or arrested. And that is pardon, pardon. Okay. We've all heard that word before. I'm sure. Don't go away too far. I'll be right back. Okie dokie then. So Allow me just for a moment here, please. When the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie. All right, I'm going to stop singing and spare all of you. There's a restaurant in Missouri. You ever been to Missouri? Called Lambert's Cafe. And it's known for literally throwing bread rolls across the room to the tables. Hey, Joe, you got a roll of bread for me? Sure. Here you go. Catch. Well... One server accidentally hits a woman in the eye and she sues him for $25,000. Yeah, she lost. That's some (laughs) more, Ray.
0: Okay, it's break time here on The Merry-Go-Round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. Again, that's TheLegalMerryGoRound.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to legalmerrygoround.com And now, back to the show
1: okay I'm back did you miss me I missed you so much I'm so happy to see all of you still here I am now going to continue the discussion I had, uh, second half of this legal show today, expungements and pardons with the concept of pardons. I talked all about expungements in the first half of the show. And just another uh, side thank you to Bev Myers, my first sponsor for this podcast, who you can reach at her email, Bev, B-E-V, at legalwritinglaunch.com. Bev is a highly respected university law professor out in California, and she teaches a class on legal writing. You absolutely want to get a hold of her and see what she can do for you, whether you are a law student, a lawyer, an undergrad thinking about going into the law, or anyone else. I mean, let's face it. There's only two ways that we can communicate with the world. I guess three. There's sign language, which most of us don't use. There's talking, which everybody uses. And there's writing, which most of us use. So when you communicate, don't you want to be clear? Don't you want to be precise? I mean, let's face it. How many times have you sat there and listened to somebody going on and on and on and on, and and you're thinking, "Ah, I get to the point. And it's even worse when you're trying to read through something. So you want to reach out to Bev And when you do, by the way, because you're one of my listeners, you tell her you listen to the Legal Merry-Go-Round podcast, and you're going to get a 10% discount on any of her courses. She's got three wonderful classes that you can get involved with. Go to her website to look these up and see what they are, legalwritinglaunch.com. So thank you, Bev, for being my sponsor. Thank you for being my first. Now, let's talk about pardons. Yes, pardons. We've all heard that. It's in the news, you know, every couple of years, the president of the United States pardons. But guess what? Uh, Governors can pardon, and even little city mayors can pardon. It just depends on where the crime occurred. So uh, let's just get to the definition. A pardon is an exemption from punishment. It exempts someone from punishment for a crime. The pardoning power is an inherent right of the people, and they can vest that power in whomever they choose. And that's already been done. It's been done by people who were long since in the grave. State constitutions and the federal constitution of the United States spell out where the pardoning power lies. Pardons are typically issued to individuals, but interestingly enough, they can also go to groups of people pardons are made by the head of the governmental entity. So for the United States, of course, it's the president of the United States. In a state, it would be the governor. And believe it or not, there are some you know, rules in some counties and cities across the country where uh, the mayor of a city or the, uh, the mayor of a, of a little town can make a pardon for something like a traffic offense whether made by the president or a state governor, the decision to grant or deny a pardon rests solely in the executive's discretion. That decision is typically final and not subject to any type of judicial review. Alrighty, well, you know, depending upon who you are and what history you've watched and news you've listened to, maybe you've agreed to some presidential pardons and maybe you haven't. The basis for the decision about whether to pardon an offender uh, are supposed to factor in the public welfare and whether there's some unfairness that the courts can't correct. But since the decision generally isn't subject to review or oversight, there's often no way to know what factored into a pardon decision unless the president or the governor explains it. Pardons generally assume the offender is guilty of the underlying offense, and that he or she has been rehabilitated. So the president or a governor might deny a pardon to an offender who denies guilt. Pardons can be revoked before they're delivered, but not after they're delivered and accepted, unless the offender fraudulently obtained it. Now, that's one I've never seen before, but I guess that's a possibility. The effect of pardons. They symbolize forgiveness for the crime, but usually don't wipe out guilt or expunge the conviction. This typically means that we're asked, job applicants must disclose the conviction. That's exactly opposite of an expungement. Although they can add that a pardon was granted on a job application where they Uh, detailed what their crime was and that they were convicted. It also means that courts can consider pardoned offenses when deciding the appropriate punishment for any future crimes. Now, there are different types of pardons, um, different types of pardons, each having its own effect. Pardons can be full, partial, absolute, or conditional. So I want to go through those quickly so you understand this. A full pardon, it unconditionally absolves the person of the conviction and all of the crime's consequences. A partial pardon only relieves the person for some of the crime's punishment or consequences. An absolute pardon is granted without any conditions. And finally, there is, of course, conditional. Some condition usually to be fulfilled by the person seeking the pardon, must occur before the pardon takes place. For example, a pardon could be conditioned on helping the police solve a crime or locate a suspect. Some conditional pardons become void when a specified condition occurs, such as the former offender committing another crime. So what about these things called a pardon? What does a pardon do? It doesn't indicate the convicted person is innocent, but generally um, it, it also it doesn't expunge the conviction, but generally, they will usually restore civil rights lost as a result of the conviction. So pardons will gener- generally restore the right to vote, the right to run for and hold public office, the right to serve on a jury, and the right to possess firearms. A pardon may prevent deportation if the pardon conviction is a deportable offense. A pardon doesn't affect any civil consequences that might follow from the crime. So even someone who receives a pardon for murder may still be subject to a lawsuit for wrongful death. Pardons also tend not to affect administrative consequences such as license suspensions. So I want to talk about who can do these pardons? I mentioned it earlier, but I think that's interesting just to to go through this a little bit. Presidential pardons. If you're a constitutional scholar, you'll know that Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution designates the President of the United States as the only person with the power to grant pardons and reprieves for federal crimes. The Constitution prohibits the President from pardoning impeached officials but the president can issue pardons for the crimes that led to the impeachment. All applications for a presidential pardon must be submitted through and reviewed by the Department of Justice. According to the department's rules for clemency petitions, no one may apply for a pardon until five years after release from prisons. Now, the next level is governor or gubernatorial pardons. So, you understand it clearly, there's no right to a pardon, which is often described as an individual act of grace or forgiveness granted by a governor. The decision to pardon typically rests in the governor's exclusive and absolute discretion, so the pardon seeker can't appeal it to any court or have it overturned by another official, department, or agency. A narrow exception is if the pardon involves illegal conditions. In that case, a court could review the conditions, but not the governor's decision to grant the pardon. You understand all that? Good. Okay, because it took me a second to, to get that around my brain. There are pardon boards. Pardon boards. Although most states vest pardoning power in their governors, several of them have created pardon boards. These boards make recommendations to the governor, or if the law authorizes it, the board makes the decision itself. Under either scenario, the governor either sits on the board, appoints its members, or both. The board's decision doesn't have to be unanimous. Depending upon a state, a simple majority might be enough. Now, there are limits on pardons. Only the United States Constitution limits the presidential pardoning power. State constitutions may limit uh, gubernatorial pardoning powers. Neither the courts nor the legislatures can restrict or limit the pardoning power unless the state constitution specifically says otherwise. Some states have procedural rules specifying when and how to apply for pardons, but any laws or rules that infringe upon a governor's pardoning power are most likely unconstitutional. Finally, I want to share with you there are some permissible limits on pardons. In the United States and in states, pardons generally apply only to offenses against the state or the United States. Governors and the president can't pardon convictions for municipal crimes. If the city passes an authorizing law, the mayor can pardon people convicted of violating city ordinances. Another limit is two times. Typically, the same person can't be pardoned twice unless a majority of the state Supreme Court approves. Another limit is post-conviction. In many states, pardons cannot be issued until after the person has been convicted. And finally, there are certain crimes where simply there are no pardons available. Some states don't allow pardons for certain types of crimes such as treason treason, and impeachment, or for prisoners on death row. Second half of the show on pardons was a little shorter than the first half on expungement, because there's really not that much to talk about. But we have certainly seen in the news how presidents can use this power, and more too often, my commentary here, uh, it's to savvy political favor, or to allow for buddies of the president uh, to be pardoned. Um, If you are following the news, I think you know what I'm talking about. Pardons typically take place right at the end of terms. So a president or a governor on their way out often will pardon two or three or five or however many uh, have been convicted during that term. Again, my concern is that they're not always appropriate Uh, they don't come because of deserving. They come just simply because of who the governor or the president liked, a political analysis. And that's just not the United States of America that I want to be proud of. But it is where we are. And so now you know the difference between expungements and pardons. And I hope that you're never in a situation where you have to ask for either because you are a law-abiding citizen. I do hope that you enjoyed Uh, this Wrongdoer Wednesday edition of The Legal Merry-Go-Round, and I do hope that you're going to come back and listen on Friday for the next edition of the show that I call Fender Bender Fridays, where we talk about injury cases and that sort of thing. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you again for your ear.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.